Welcome to All Schemes Considered, the weekly podcast where we dive deep on a new startup and examine its viability as a venture-backed business, all in 20 minutes or less. Some people say that we're essentially the Harvard Business Review for early-stage startups. I'm your host, Akash Shah. As usual, my co-host, Zand, is here too. Today, we are talking about Carrot. They are a credit card for content creators and influencers. And that's, that's their short pitch. And that's about as much as we were able to find out about them, because they only did their initial press releases about six weeks ago, the last week of June. Van, what do you want to say to our listeners about TriCarrot? So I actually think it's pretty interesting. I think we, we've discussed, I don't know if we've discussed it on the podcast specifically, but I think in general, the idea of credit is something that's hugely open to disruption. Because I, I think the way that people kind of calculate credit worthiness is like FICO scores and you know TransUnion, Experian, all of these credit scores are lagging indicators, sometimes by years. What someone's credit score, things they did like three or two years ago, probably have very diminished impact now. And I think a lot of companies are kind of seizing the ability to have real-time financial data to kind of undercut or get at alternative investments that, may be, that might be creditworthy, but that the big banks wouldn't even touch or don't have kind of even the means to touch. So you're saying, you know, this credit score, the FICO score that's been around for so long hasn't kept up with the times with new, the new financial information that exists. Yeah. And yeah. it hasn't quite, you know, it hasn't evolved to understand that, you know, there are new ways of making money and there are new ways of spending and building credit. Yeah. And, and this is even true. So as a personal example, when I moved to Germany at the time, if you were an, an immigrant coming in, you needed like a letter of recommendation from your employer to open a bank account if you didn't have like a Shufa, which is their credit score. And obviously I was a freelancer coming from the U.S. I didn't have an employer. It was really hard to open a bank account until finally I found N26, which is kind of like a fintech disruption bank. I did a video call. They verified me. I had a bank account and I used them forever. And obviously I was a good bet. You could look at my income statements for a month and make that pretty trivially. But the, the process was so ossified. Like it was so much red tape to opening a bank. They wouldn't even look at me if I didn't have these kind of arbitrary things that in the end don't matter, right? And so N26 is, is sweeping Germany because there's a lot of people like me who are immigrants who have good income, who are freelancers, don't have traditional employment, where you would have a letter of recommendation kind of thing. Um, so I actually have a background in fintech. You know, I was working at a new stock brokerage that was kind of cutting edge in 2017, which is when fintech really exploded and Bitcoin also exploded that year. And so I built out a Bitcoin investing platform, et cetera, et cetera. And one thing I learned from that year is I believe that the big banks in the U.S. and probably worldwide are bad at innovation and bad at establishing new markets. And this is a function of their incentives internally, which is to protect their gigantic existing cash flows and to make sure that they have little to no exposure to high risk activities. Mm -hmm. Because especially after 2008 in the U.S., it's actually very expensive for a bank to have exposure to high-risk activities. It literally has a large cost for them in terms of locked-up capital. So what has developed is this process where the large banks are very good at acquiring fintech startups 
fintech being financial technology and incorporating them into their existing portfolio fronts. Capital One has always been kind of a tech forward company and they are probably the number one bank kind of doing these large acquisitions. But you also saw Goldman Sachs acquire a consumer bank. And this pattern has repeated over and over. And so that's why I think that if you want to disrupt something, FinTech is actually a very interesting space because you can always have the exit strategy of being acquired. And credit cards, to bring this back to TriCarat, credit cards are of particular interest because they're, the ability to access people who should have credit but don't have credit is an untapped source of income. And also there's inherent value to having the transaction data of a known group of people. You know, the transaction data without having any identifier applied to it is not very helpful. But if Carrot can say, we have transaction data of premium influencers, that mm. is more valuable than just generic transaction data. So that's why I think, you know, Carrot's model makes a lot of sense. Let's talk a little more about the market that they're serving which is creators and influencers. And right now they're starting with creators and influencers, but I, I would assume that the reason they're starting with this group is because it's hard to get business credit when you have uneven cash flow. Yeah, well, I mean, just imagine going to the bank and being like, yeah, I have 100K Instagram subscribers. Can I get a revolving credit account? They wouldn't even know what that meant, which I think is, you know. Okay, one, okay, boomer, 100K Instagram subscribers. All that was wrong. I, 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 don't, even, I don't even have an Instagram. You're exposing my age, Akash. You have Instagram followers. You could have YouTube subscribers, both of which are non-monetized immediately. But, you know, an audience is, is a monetizable asset. And right now it's generally monetized through ads or through sponsorships. But there is no promise that that cash flow will exist six months down the line. It's very month to month. It can be very risky. There can be a shift in public opinion and suddenly the person you're extending credit to could lose sponsorships and lose the ability to pay you back. And so that's why I think banks have been hesitant, along with the general lack of knowledge and lack of understanding of this new growing space. But content creators and influencers are here to stay, I think. You know, you have Patreon, which is a huge, huge payment platform and monetization platform for content creators. You have Gumroad, which is another one of that sort. You know, YouTube. Twitch, Instagram, podcasting applications and platforms are all building in monetization models into their platforms to help content creators create cash for themselves and create a living. So this is a growing market. It's definitely here to stay. Everyone I know has someone that they watch on YouTube or follow on Instagram. But why, why hasn't this been looked at yet? Why hasn't there been a card for these people yet? Yeah, I mean, that's what Carrot's trying to answer, right? I think a lot of your points are valid in that given how new the space is and people are unsure about how to approach it, there's room for someone to step in and kind of take the weight in as the first people to do so. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. I guess really this influencer economy is only five years old and perhaps the age is good enough reason you probably need someone who understands the influencer economy also to have some connections yeah. so that they can actually get a credit card going. Issuing credit cards has actually become a lot easier within the last five years because banks have created platforms for you to effectively whitelist credit cards and debit cards under your mm -hmm. own brand. 
so yeah, I think that's a good reason. So we've established there's a market. We've established there's a very obvious monetization model. Let's talk about building a user base because, and a user base in this case is, you know, getting the cards into people's hands and getting those people to actually use the cards and spend on these cards. That's actually an interesting, how big is the market cap of like influencers? You're, you're, it's such a young industry. It can't be more than a couple billion, right? Like, like it can't be you, a big market sector. I know? think you aggressively underestimate how large influencers are and how influencers are breaking into more traditional spaces. So, okay. So as of 2019, it was a $6 billion industry. So it's small still, but growing really rapidly. That seems too small for me. Define what you meant. Like, what was that number from and what was it measuring? Because influencer marketing is one thing and people that want to be influencers are a whole nother thing. That's true. I guess I'm looking at like influencer marketing numbers, which probably is a more formal number. Than, yeah. Influencer marketing yeah. is definitely a lot tighter and it's specifically like if I want to place a sponsorship with an influencer, right, how do I true. do that? And how do I enable that? Whereas so 6.5 billion would be a subset of the actual wider influencer ecosystem in terms yeah. of how much money's floating around there. Yeah. I mean, you could arguably say I would, I would bet most of YouTube's views go towards influencers, not influencer content creators, right? Cause this isn't just for influencers. It's for content creators. And that's what we should say. Influencers are a subset of content creators. That's true. Yeah. You also have content creators that are just creating woodcrafting videos on YouTube or creating podcasts like us right here. Content creation is a massive industry that is very difficult to measure. So I definitely think there's enough people. Sure, yeah. So what type of people do they want to get in front of? Do they want to get in front of us? I don't think so. We don't have a need for a credit card. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point because we obviously went the traditional route of income, right? Like we both have, we both hold down like what you would you know what you would consider typical jobs. You know, we're, we have nine to five, like we, we work remotely, but from a kind of like banker perspective, we're not alternative investments, right? We're pretty standard investments, but I, I think the kind of influencer they're aiming at and you're, what you're talking about are more like your, I don't even know who like. Where it's your full-time gig. Now. It's your primary yeah, exactly. source of income. Right. having like creating that content. So it's more like if we were to quit our jobs, you know, go full time on creating this podcast and inviting guests and whatnot, and we didn't have existing lines of credit, how could we get a new line of credit? And that's where right. these, yeah. that's where Carrot comes in. So I guess Carrot's banking on the fact, just looking at their website quickly, Carrot's banking on the fact that like there are, there are certain metrics on these platforms that indicate credit worthiness and or growth rate. So if I'm, if I'm looking at an Instagram influencer and they've grown their Instagram followers, you know, month over month by 18%, maybe that's someone I should give, you know, a credit card to, but if they're flat or declining, basically that there are certain metrics within these platforms that are sufficiently good as proxies to income that you can give them credit without taking too much risk on. Yeah. And I agree with that premise. Yeah. Now, now my question is, okay, we agree it exists. How do they get out into the world? How do they get people? How do they get their first 10,000 users? So that's a really like interesting. 100,000 transactions, oh. right? Because I, I, if you Google them, they don't really pop up, but it occurred to me, I was like, oh, they got to work on their SEO. But then I thought, do they? Like if you're, if you're aiming at Instagram and YouTube content creators and subscribers, is SEO even really that relevant for you? 
like, or, or do you try to actually get at them within the same channels that they kind of own and work in? Like, does SEO matter for Instagram? Well, I think they need to work on their SEO so that when people Google them, they actually pop up. Uh, right. Yeah. In, in, in like any sense. Because uh, right now their SEO is worse than bad. It is non-existent, yeah. which means they effectively do not, effectively they don't exist in the public web. But, but maybe they do. Either. But does that matter for them? You know, like this is a kind of unique case for me because I, in typical marketing, you always want SEO, right? Because that's how most people find you. But if their market truly is people who really natively live in these spheres, like do I, I have something, you know, again, betraying my age. I, I spoke to a friend recently who only consumes content on Instagram and doesn't really use Google. Their consumption of the internet is, is more passive than it is active. And I wonder if, if there are many people like that on Instagram and YouTube, and this is your target market, is it, does it make more sense to kind of, for SEO to become a secondary concern and make sure that you have like really good presence on these platforms? So I agree that SEO is probably bad as a major acquisition channel because yeah. it's a very busy space and there's a lot of people out there talking about their SEO, but I think, you know, they should build out their website enough so that when we, when you Google carrot, or the bank for creators that they pop up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying do the bare minimum so that they actually exist. I actually think Instagram is an important place for them to build a presence and maybe do some advertising mm -hmm. there because you're right, go to where your users are. But also I think where they're gonna, I think they're really going to see benefits through direct outreach because they just need to find these influencers and reach out to them and say, hey, we can extend you credit if you need it. And I know it's hard for you because it's almost like so many, so many content creators probably have tried to go through the traditional path and, fail. and yeah. they don't know better. And they're like, you know, screw it. Like, I'll just self fund this and it'll be hard and it'll be a struggle. So I think they're going to have to do direct outreach. I also think word of mouth is going to be a big deal from them and referrals. So if they have a successful partnership with Tierzu, who has 2 million YouTube subscribers, you know, Tierzu probably has a network of other content creators that he talks to regularly and right. he can recommend them. He can talk about his experience with them. And that's going to be important. And then finally, I think they should actually leverage the fact that there are so many credit card review sites out there and <laughs> get someone to write 10, like 5,000 word articles on them for NerdWallet or PointSky or whatever. And just, uh, benefit off that so that they have a little more social presence and they're just kind of out there. Right. And that's also an interesting angle in that they could partner with these tools because there, there's a whole little micro industry of which credit card should I use and which credit card should I buy. And NerdWallet does this, the points guy does this, uh, a few other places do this. You know, that's, you know, there could be an interesting partnership opportunity there where it's like, if you sure, guys yeah. can find an audience, we can serve a credit card and we'll have a kickback fee for you. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, kind of, it's really interesting. It's interesting because you always consider yourself on the forefront of whatever it is you're doing. You know, and I, I like to think that I'm pretty hip in terms of like marketing channels and like methods of acquisition and these kinds of things. But it occurs to me that this would be a space that I would be wholly unequipped to navigate in. You know, if you asked me how to build like a demand gen platform for a carrot, I would really have to like, relearn most of the quote unquote standard marketing practices that I've internalized. Absolutely. But you have a B2B yeah. background, right? Almost right. entirely. Yeah. Whereas I have flexed between 
uh, business to consumer and business to business. And while there are some similarities, there are also huge differences as you have just expressed. So let's actually focus in on this, right? Because I think it's very interesting. When does a creator need, like, I really want to keep investigating this, like, who is their customer? Because there are a lot of creators, but they don't want the long tail of creators, which are making $500 per month on YouTube. They only want the creators who are doing this full-time, who are creating full-time and are trying to sustain themselves with it. But they don't want the creators that are living with multiple roommates, are giving up lifestyle conveniences so that they can live their dream job of creating things on the internet. They want creators that need to make large purchases. Well, it's not explicitly marketed as a business card, unless I miss my guess. I, I think you're right that they want high income influencers, but it doesn't have to be that they need to buy for the business. It could be that they just have enough income that they're making luxury purchases and they're using the card a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, what I'm trying to say is like, no, you're right. It doesn't have to be a business card. Right. But, oh, so you're saying like, it's just they've made their money, but they don't, they can't get traditional. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like how frustrating would it be if you're, you know, on, on their site, the Russian bear, and you're, you're pulling in 15 grand a month or 20 grand a month and nobody will give you a credit card. I actually think people would yeah. give you a credit card. So would they? You can get a credit. Yeah. I feel like you can get a credit card so easily nowadays. A consumer credit card with like ten thousand limits. Maybe a, that that's a I guess function right. yeah, of my. You know, that's a function of my privilege. Maybe it is very difficult. Maybe okay. Let's say they can't. Okay, I'm trying to put myself in the seat of a creator because I watch Twitch. Right. I'm trying to understand. One thing that's very common is they want to buy a house. Because your house is your office when you're a creator, right. right? Like you own your space. And when you want to buy a house, you often want to buy a house in a low property tax state and a low income tax state, which actually doesn't exist. So a low income tax state and maybe a high property tax state like Texas, like Nevada. Yeah. Um, it's also nice that Nevada is close to LA, which, California. Is, yeah. which is a you know, big hub for creators that might want to partner with the more traditional media. Can you get a mortgage with, I, I do not think you'd be able to get a mortgage with, you know, your sponsorships and whatnot. I don't think that is something that a traditional bank would extend you. Yeah. So I can definitely see this eventually getting there into being the bank for creators. Maybe okay. this is the first step towards there because they still say on their website that there's a black card. So that black card imp implies to me implies a high luxury. credit limit. Like it right. implies like a, $50,000 credit limit, which you actually cannot get. You actually oh, cannot get a 50,000 credit limit on a regular consumer card where regular means it's not the Amex black. So maybe, maybe that's the differentiator. Like they just offer you such a large credit limit. And then on top of that, you know, maybe they're doing the Brex model of Brex is a company which provides credit for startups who don't have business credit built up. Maybe they have a little, they have some perks that's along the lines of, if you're a beauty creator, you get cash back on beauty products. And, or if you're a gaming creator, you get cash back on video games, which is just a little bit right. of a perk on that additional spending. Everyone wants that 3% back, right? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think it's a very interesting space. I think it's a very needed product. I think the market is growing. And I think you and I are stumped on how to really grow the user base, so to speak.
Well, you, you raise a really good point that I hadn't considered. So what we just went over for the last couple of minutes, like you could see maybe like a mortgage service or a bank service for these influencers, but that cards maybe is a smaller need. But what if, what if that is the end goal? What if this is a sort of land and expand strategy where it's like, okay, influencers and content creators more generally are an underserved market. The low cost, low risk way to get into that market is to create this card, gather some financial data about them, and then potentially see if we can expand that into the bank for creators. What I'm wondering, is the card kind of a low risk, low effort way to start gaining much more granular transaction data about these influencers, which would then enable you to decide if like a larger bank style service would be lucrative or even worthwhile? I mean, I think it is going to be worthwhile. Yeah. I think, I think these kind of specialized banks are always helpful. We've seen Square and Stripe build entire businesses around taking a very focused market or product and then build new services around that product. Around it. Like, you yeah. know, Square started as swipe your card anywhere and Stripe started as swipe your card on the internet. And now they're offering loans, they do fraud detection, they do consulting services, all sorts of things. So I agree. It's an initial bet. I have this theory that every fintech company eventually becomes a bank. Well, because it's a logical endpoint, right? You yeah, exactly. Market needs as possible. It is a logical endpoint if you're chasing profits. Yeah, I think the only way they grow is by individual outreach and word of mouth. It's an exclusive club right now, and they need to get yeah. people into that exclusive club. But they need to be careful about who they get because they probably don't have that much cash. You can't just like give someone a $50,000 credit line. Right. And then yeah. if they, you know, it's very bad if that gets wasted. So, well, well, their ideal scenario, right, is like all of the top 1% or 2% of influencers, it becomes the card to have. So the influencers then brag about it on their channels and it becomes a thing you have to have and show off. And that, and that, and growth becomes exponential that way. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if they ever want to do a big marketing push, I think they'd be pretty good at influencer and creator marketing. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> they could get sponsorship spots everywhere. So I'm not too worried yeah. about that. Well, we've pontificated for a little bit. Anything else you want to add? No, I think it's a pretty cool... I think, I think it'll do well. It doesn't seem like they have a great marketing pipeline right now, but I also don't foresee problems creating one. Given that there's kind of a lack of competition in the space, it won't be too hard to kind of distinguish yourself. Yeah. I mean, again, they launched late June, 2020. We're recording this August 7th, 2020. I think it's okay not to have an incredible marketing pipeline. Sure. Yeah. I'm excited to track how these guys go. I expect an acquisition within five to seven years. Follow up with me yeah, in five to right. seven years, guys. Okay. See you guys. Yeah. Later. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Schemes Considered. It means a lot to Zand and I. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and check out a few of our older episodes. We're available on our website, allschemesconsidered.com, and every podcatcher under the sun. If you really want to make our day, consider sharing it with a friend or coworker. If you have a scheme you'd like us to consider, a guest you'd like us to have on, maybe you just loved or hated this episode, we want to know your thoughts. I'm on Twitter, at akash.io, that's A-A-K-A-S-H D-O-T I-O or you can send an email to allschemesconsidered at akash.io Zand you can't find online because he doesn't believe in the digital public forum. Thanks again and keep scheming.
See you all next week.